I think really uh, everybody should have a sense of several different types of numbers, and I thought we'd talk about those this morning. One of which, first of all, when you first come into the office, we check your vital signs. And sometimes we repeat those vital signs after you've had a chance to sit and relax a little bit, uh, particularly blood pressure. Blood pressure is best checked uh, five to ten minutes after you sit down. And we don't do a great job of that, I think, in many places because the nurse sits you down and takes that blood pressure. That blood pressure really should be taken on the skin uh, five to ten minutes after you have been seated with your arm at heart level and your feet flat on the floor. And blood pressure these days continues to be something that we try and find that magic range, Ray. Typically, 120, 130 over 80 is what we're looking for. Depending on your age range, sometimes we'll give a little bit of allowance with that. And so really important to have that checked. I always like to ask how much coffee you've had, have you smoked a cigarette, um, alcohol, things like that, all can impact that number. Certainly using your inhaler before coming in, uh, among other things, can absolutely alter that uh, reading. So sometimes we get a number of readings and sometimes we ask you for home readings. So that can be really important. Other vital signs, one of the more interesting ones is your waist circumference. And for a female, we should be um, less than 35 inches. And for a male, we should be 40 inches. And this is literally taping a tape taking a tape measure, taking it across your navel without any clothes on so that you don't add any unnecessary inches, um, and letting it rest in that area. Again, for a female, less than 35 inches. For a male, less than 40 inches. We know that if either of those readings for a male or female are higher, that it can absolutely impact our heart risk and our diabetic risk, among many things. And so another interesting vital sign that we keep a close eye on. With us is Dr. Debbie Play, Cleveland Clinic, Akron General. And when you put together those numbers, and I know you're going to go farther down that road, that is a telltale sign to a medical professional of some areas, knowing the numbers and being honest and reporting those numbers to your doctor so that they can take and, and look at those numbers and say, okay, maybe this, maybe that. And knowing those numbers tells you guys a lot, right, Debbie? Yeah, it sure does. It really can help us uh, predict heart risk, diabetes risk, cancer risk. There's a number of things that we can look at. Sleep apnea risk, we all, uh, we've all we talked about that many times, Ray, where that can really impact so many different things in your system, including your blood pressure, your heart, and arrhythmias or irregular heartbeats. All can be related to weight um, and uh, blood pressure. So really important to be uh, having a sense of where you stand. One of the other numbers that we and I have talked about is blood sugar and what a fasting sugar should be. So if somebody is not a diabetic uh, and we are fasting, we haven't had anything to eat um, since dinner last night, less than 100 is a normal blood sugar upon awakening. Um, less than 140, two hours after eating, if we are not diabetic. Less than 140 after eating, if we are not a diabetic. And again, important to say two hours after eating. Um, less than 180 if we're diabetic two hours after eating. <clears throat> and if you should check your sugar in the office and you've eaten and it's been two hours and you're not a diabetic and you're over 200, then that defines diabetes automatically. So greater than 200 two hours after eating, we get very concerned that we've got full-blown diabetes. We've also talked about that A1C, and I tell patients that your A1C is a three-month average sugar that tells us 
where your range is. And so, you know, less than 5.7 on that range is normal. And if you're diabetic, we want you under 7, ideally. And some folks may walk in and we see A1Cs, three-month average sugar readings uh, in the 12, 13, 14s, which means their sugars have been running in the four, 500s plus, uh, which is really alarming when we look at risk. So sugar is an important uh, uh, test to make sure that you know where your fasting sugar reading is. And, and, and Debbie, and we're with Dr. Debbie Play, Cleveland Clinic, Akron General. I don't know if enough people understand it. You and I do, because I've told you about my personal medical condition, being pre-diabetic and all that type of thing, and how I was able to with some quality of life changes, lower those numbers and get them where they should. But I don't know if a lot of people understand, Debbie, when you talk about high sugar numbers, what that does to the body. Some people just say, well, I got high sugar numbers. I better get them down. They don't understand what the complexities of that is pertaining to the effectiveness or the strain that may put on your heart in other places. Can you take a moment to explain that, the the importance of keeping those sugar numbers down? Sure, absolutely, and, and knowing what foods you know are better for you than others yeah, is so important and an important conversation to have with your provider. Um, but you know, I tell patients that when the sugars are high, sugar makes blood vessels sticky. And so, if you can picture a sewer pipe and you've got uh, leaves in there that represent sugar, and there's a lot of leaves, it's going to plug those uh, that pipe up. And so, knowing that sugar makes uh, vessels sticky, it means that things are going to start to stick to the wall and eventually potentially plug that wall up if we're not careful. So making sure that you're taking your medication, making sure that you're watching your breads, potatoes, pasta, and sugar drinks that we've talked so much about are so important, uh, and really bumping up your protein. And so protein's a great way to help control sugar. But uh, thinking about sugar making those blood vessels sticky, I think can give you a picture as to how that process works for us as we were about what goes on uh, with regards to blockage, uh, even for circulation in the legs, um, you know, circulation around the heart, circulation to the brain. You want to keep those sugars in a normal range as much as you can. And Debbie, it was interesting. My one 14-year-old got in the car the other day and and in health class, they were learning to take their heart rate. And she was taking her heart rate in the car. They learned how to do it. She was really intrigued by it. And she got the number. I said, well, what does that mean, good or bad? Because I, to be quite honest, I didn't know what was good and bad. She said, you know what, Dad? I forgot to ask that. So we looked it up and, and found out what was good and bad. But maybe take a second to talk about that heart rate and what that tells you from a doctor's perspective. Yeah, that's a great question because it really can give us a, a good idea of where you are as far as fitness um, and where you are potentially at risk. A normal range when you study medicine is determined between 60 and 100. And I'll be honest with you, if I see a range that is uh, 90 to 100, even though that's labeled with a normal range, we raise an eyebrow to that because you don't want your heart resting rate to be elevated. And so a good resting rate typically uh, is between perhaps 65 and 80, 85. Even 85 is on the upper end of things. So for those of us, as we are looking for change uh, and to make good changes in the new year, you really want to look to lower that resting heart rate. And getting it in the 60s, 70s, or low 80s is a great thing. And that happens with walking, physical activity of some kind. You find that when folks are physically active, it lowers the heart rate, which then 
lowers the risk. And so really important uh, to get that heart rate down um, and have that monitored. So important to have that uh, um, conversation with your care provider and recognize that your energy drinks, your caffeine intake really can impact these numbers. So being very, very careful with regards to that. And Debbie, my final question here, does the elevated, do the elevated sugar numbers affect that heart rate? You know, it's interesting. There is no question that elevated sugar numbers usually represent even potentially less activity, which can represent that heart rate. So if one is not very active um, and really not eating well and sugars are running high, you're going to see higher pulse rates. Um, And so lowering that pulse rate means that you are working to eating better, making good choices, and moving more. That's what's going to help give you a better heart rate resting in those 70s and low 80s, which is much more healthier than sitting in the 90s to 100s.